Hey, welcome again, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here with us. I love the conversation. Hey, afterwards, let's slow down on the teardown and the chairs, and let's continue those conversations as we get uh, finished up today. But thanks for being here. I know some of you are here today for the first time, so I just want to share just uh, just briefly uh, who we are as a church. We begin this journey uh, with with uh, this commitment. We want to be a, p- a place of belonging. Um, for anyone and everyone. That is, uh, regardless of where you're at in your spiritual walk, your lifestyle, um, uh, regardless of any of these things, we want to create a space where people can belong, where people can find relationship and people that care deeply and genuinely about them, who they are and and for who they are and and for how they live. We just wanted to create a place of belonging. Um, Believe and become, as as we have modeled, as as we're trying to accomplish, comes later. Uh, You'll find that we are Jesus followers, and we hope that in time you will come to put your faith in Jesus, to believe in him, and find just the hope and the beautiful life that he invites us to. And at that time, Jesus helps us become uh, who we were created to be. And so, well, well, often it feels like, well, to walk into a, into a church, I'm going to have to act like them, and I'm going to have to believe like them. We said, let's, let's turn this upside down, and let's just say, this is a place that anyone can belong. You can live in relationship with us here, and, uh, and then let's allow Jesus to begin to transform our hearts and to change our lives. That's our pursuit as a church. Thanks for joining us. Um, we're excited to get to know some of you more that are, that are here for a first time today. We just want you to know you are invited to belong and to be a part of this place. Hey, today's message is going to be a simple one, um, yet, uh, yet, um, uh, yet a deep one. We're going to talk about prayer this morning, and uh, prayer is an interesting subject. Uh, we're, we're in Luke chapter 11. Uh, and we'll be in the first verse. Um, let me let me pause that for a minute, just to remind you: if you haven't already, download the um, the U version Bible app. Um, and each week we'll have uh, both the verses and some notes and things like that in here. Next week, assuming the weather cooperates, and we'll be in the park just just outside the front door here, park in the same parking lot. Uh, we'll be under shade tree doing church together out there. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, this is how you'll have lyrics to songs and the verses and all that stuff. So download that app if you haven't already, and, and you can use that each week. Uh, if you save the event, just go to um, more and to events, and you'll find we're one of the three churches in town that's broadcasting those. So uh, feel free to get on there, uh, be a part of that today, or certainly in future weeks. That'll be helpful um, when we're uh, operating in different formats. So we've been studying in Luke, and we are in Luke chapter 11. So far in the Gospel of Luke, we found Jesus, uh, who was born under s- spectacular circumstances. People recognized him as someone uh, powerful. People at eight days old were saying, this is the Messiah has come to earth. And it baffled people. Uh, years later, Jesus calls his, his apostles, his followers, and he begins to teach, and he begins to heal, and, and people recognize this is someone powerful. And finally, in a climactic mo- moment, Jesus asked his followers, so, so who do people say I am? And it was Peter who, who stepped up and said, you are the Messiah. You're a savior. You are the son of God. And so from that point on in the book of Luke, Jesus is cultivating his people. He's developing his followers, uh, teaching them what this kingdom is that God is ushering in. What, what is this kingdom of God? Teaching people uh, what it looks like to be a follower. He shows such compassion and love for hurting and marginalized people time and time again. Jesus is modeling what he's inviting us as followers uh, to be people of compassion 
and love, who, who care deeply about the needs of our communities and people around us. And so now in chapter 11, his, his, um, his followers are going to come to him and they're going to say, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? And, and before we get there, I want to talk just a little bit about prayer in general. I'm going to assume today that some of us here have very little experience with prayer. I'm going to assume that, that for, for many of us here, it's still kind of an uncomfortable thing. Not exactly sure how it works or what it looks like. Uh, it's not something I do on a regular basis. And I will admit for many of us here that uh, have prayed for many years uh, that very often in life I find my, myself in a season where um, I'm not spending the time that I could and want to be spending in prayer. So I think for all of us today, whether we're just beginning this journey or have been on it for a long time, I think Jesus is going to have some powerful things to say about prayer. But I want to talk about the, the general concept of prayer for just a few minutes. And so uh, breaking out some of our elementary school uh, questioning techniques, we're going to talk about the, um, the who, what, when, where, why, and how of prayer. Okay, so let's just talk for a few minutes about what prayer is. So, so who can pray? And, and here's, what I, here's what I want to impress, that anyone can pray to God. Throughout Scripture, we see uh, people of all walks of life people very far from him crying out to God and spectacular things happen. Uh, we see Jesus impressing upon his closest followers. Prayer is an important practice. We see Jesus demonstrating it. So from those closest to and the furthest from God, we see uh, prayer demonstrated by all sorts of people. And while it may seem quite obvious that, it, well, of course anyone can pray, um, if you're anything like me, quite often we disqualify ourselves from praying. For instance, um, I'm feeling guilty about something I've done in life, and it causes me to distance myself from God. I feel unable to pray in that time. Uh, or I just don't know the words to say, and so I feel like, well, I, I can't really pray right now. So I, I want to impress this morning that any of us in any place in life, this is a good time to consider prayer because it's designed for all of us. It's designed for communication with God. And so what can we pray about is a valid question. I would argue that we can pray about anything. And I would encourage that real life is the best things to be praying about. In fact, in, in, in the Matthew passage, in Matthew 6, where Jesus talks about prayer, it's a little bit extended version of what we'll look at today. But Jesus starts by saying, don't pray like the Pharisees who do it on the street corners with their hands raised so that people can see them. He says, if anything, prayer should be something very real, a conversation with God about the real things happening in life. He says, prayer's not about a show, so what can I pray about? Anything that is real. James chapter 4, a man, James, Jesus' brother actually, is writing to a, a church, a people about prayer, and he says, well, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives, uh, that you might spend what you get on your pleasures. And so we, we see this, we see this kind of check in, in James saying, now, yeah, we can pray about anything, but James is telling people, if your prayers aren't being answered, consider your motives. You know, what, what are your motives in prayer? So I think the question becomes less about what can I pray about and more about why 
Am I praying? And we'll get to the, the why in a second. What are my motives? Is it that I get that GTR that I swear I just have to own on this side of heaven, right? I just, am I, am I praying for those things or am I praying um, for things that are kingdom matters, for the hurting people in my life? Prayers for, for peace and prayers for healing and prayers um, for good to come in, in our community in the world. So, so what can we pray about anything? When can we pray? I would say we can pray always, and we should pray intentionally as well. I know as a youth pastor, um, it, when we would talk about prayer with teens, we would uh, so often come to this realization, kids would come to this realization that I can pray anytime. So I'll just say like one sentence prayers throughout my day. That's a beautiful realization, and, and I'd, I'd encourage us all in that direction. Uh, when someone asks me to pray for them, I, I in that moment, or as I'm walking away from that conversation in my head, I say a prayer to be sure that, that I have engaged that prayer. It's good to pray about things as they come up in life. And yet sometimes, uh, I know for me personally, uh, that becomes my primary mode of prayer. And I would say there's something very special about time dedicated to prayer. When I, when I say for five minutes, just five minutes each day, I will sit in silence and I'll pray. There's something beautiful that God does in us when we choose to be intentional about spending some time in prayer. When can we pray? We can pray in the good times uh, and in the bad times. I don't know what's more natural for you if, if you are someone who prays on a fairly regular basis. Is it in those tough times in life that you cry out to God and you find yourself in a season of prayer because of the struggles that are happening? For, for many of us, that's the case. Uh, for some of us, though, it's the good times in life. And, and we get to celebrate with God the things that are happening in our lives. Philippians chapter 4 says, uh, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It says that in difficult times in life, when, when anxiety overwhelms, present your requests to God, and it goes on to say, and a peace that passes understanding, a peace larger than every uh, piece of the circumstances that you're dealing with, that peace can guard our hearts and our souls. And where can we pray? Um, anywhere is fair game. But I know Jesus sets an example of often going off to lonely pray- places to pray. Because again, I think that intentional, quiet time in prayer is of incredible value when, when we're uh, developing a relationship with God. And of course, the why of prayer. I think prayer has a few primary purposes. First of all, it's communication. Um, what is relationship without communication? Um, after dating for uh, about a year and a half, I uh, graduated from college and moved up here to the Northwest. And for about a year and a half, uh, except for summers when Sarah would uh, live here in the Tri-Cities at my parents' place, um, for, for a year and a half, we lived, uh, we dated long distance. And if any of you have dated long distance, uh, you know how vital communication becomes, right? Have any of you had that, that uh, experience of falling asleep on the phone, you know, and you wake up to realize it's 2 a.m.? No. Some people say, no, I would not do that. Some of us have to admit that we have done that quite a few times, right? Because communication becomes everything. And so I would say in relationship with God, uh, prayer serves a primary function of communicating. This is our opportunity to be in conversation, to deepen in relationships. Conversation is vital to relationship, including that of the relationship with our Heavenly Father. Um, I would say that in addition to us speaking to God, 
prayer puts us in a posture and a place to be reshaped by God. I think prayer opens us up to a beautiful opportunity for God to shape our hearts, to change our desires, to bring, give us insight and to work powerfully in our life. In fact, Mother Teresa uh, is quoted saying that prayer is not asking. Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God at his disposition and listening to his voice in the depth of our hearts. The Teresa speaks of this opportunity to place ourselves in God's hands in prayer. It's a nearness um, to, to allow his disposition to begin to take over, to hear his voice in the, in the depths of our heart. I think prayer is, is a two-way road of communication. And I realize that, that there's days that our prayers feel like they get to the ceiling and fall back to earth, right? It's like, where are they going? Why don't I experience? But prayer is an opportunity to communicate with God. And I believe that in prayer, especially in intentional times of prayer, uh, God speaks to us as well. And then finally, why, why, why do we pray? Uh, it's because I believe there's power in prayer. And Jesus is going to speak to that a little bit in our passage. We're in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Let's hear what Jesus says about prayer. Now, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. You might be familiar with Matthew 6's version, which is just slightly longer, uh, but follows a, a very similar flow. Um, you know, if, if I had to identify one spectacular thing about this prayer of Jesus, it would be spectacular in its simplicity. Right? Of, of all the teachings that Jesus gave that are just revolutionary and just take and turn cultural understandings and norms on their head, Jesus here offers such a simple prayer. And, and, and I, I can imagine this is not what they're looking for. I mean, um, rabbis, as Jesus was operating as a rabbi with his disciples underneath him, uh, they had extensive teachings. You, you studied a lifetime to sit under a rabbi. And, and then from the age of about 16 to 30 years old, you would simply follow and learn from a rabbi. We're talking, you know, 14, 15 years of a person's life dedicated to just knowing what their rabbi knows. And so when they ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. I mean, this is supposed to be the next year's lesson. But the simplicity and the beauty in what Jesus offers them, I think, holds incredible value, especially for those of us exploring what can prayer look like for the first time. Jesus says, it's not complicated. It doesn't have to be ornate. You don't have to know something special to do it. And instead, he says, keep it simple. Maybe it sounds a little like this. And, and so many of us have probably heard the Lord's Prayer um, prayed, you know, in, in church services, or we've prayed it with our children, and that's beautiful and that's good. I'd absolutely encourage that. And yet I think um, rather than mimicking the details of the words, Jesus offers for us a posture and, um, and an attitude towards prayer uh, that's of incredible value to us. Uh, so he begins with acknowledging God and glorifying him. He says, Lord, um, or he says, uh, Father, holy is your name, your kingdom come. So, so he, he begins by lifting God up 
exalting God. He calls him Lord. I love the word Father when I begin my prayers. I just feel like it puts me in a posture and an attitude towards God that allows me to be the subject and him to be big and beautiful and the God that he is. And so he says, begin uh, by um, by glorifying God. Holy is your name. And, and I, I get that's kind of first century language to us. Names don't carry the value that, that they did in that culture. Um, but he says, lift God up. Exalt God, make God big and beautiful as you begin to pray. And then he says, your kingdom come. And in the Matthew version, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is what it says. And so he says, pray, pray that God's work is accomplished. Pray that this kingdom that God is ushering in be manifest in our lives, in our community. Pray for God's work. Pray that God's will is the focus. And so he invites us, uh, lift God up as high and holy, and then invite God to accomplish his work. Invite God to be um, the one steering the ship. And then he, he gives a simple request, Father, give us our daily bread. You know, and it's okay to pray about the specific things that we're needing or wanting in life. It's okay to bring those before God, asking that he reveal reveal his will on the subject. And yet, here Jesus asks so simply, just for what I need to sustain today. I think it's significant, and I think it's interesting that he asked for his bread today. It's not for the next month of my life, but he says, one day at a time, God, sustain me. You know, a simple request to God. And then, and then finally, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive those that sin against us. And I think this must be the challenging, the most challenging part of the prayer that Jesus demonstrates for us as, um, on a number of levels. As admitting ourselves to be wrong, uh, is a challenging thing. It can take a lifetime to learn to be vulnerable enough to realize that I don't have it all together. But Jesus invites us into a posture and a place with a Father that loves us in which we can be vulnerable, in which we can recognize our shortcomings and faults. We can acknowledge them before God, knowing that He is a God who forgives. And I I want to invite you to let that sink in for a moment. That so often it's our guilt or, or, or our faults or our stubbornness that keeps God at arm's distance in life. But Jesus invites us, go to God with a posture of brokenness, of need, of hurt, because he is the God that forgives. And notice Jesus also pulls in another challenging piece, forgive us as we forgive people around us. And how impossible is that? I know, I know this, I'll never be as forgiving as God is. Thank goodness that, that God is so loving and forgiving in my life. But Jesus challenges us to equate our ability to forgive with God's ability to forgive. Because relationship with God doesn't call us to a life of entitlement in which I receive. But instead, Jesus reminds us, even in our prayer, to remember that as we ask for forgiveness, be reminded that it is our blessed, blessed opportunity to forgive people around us as well. And so Jesus lays out for us this four-piece simple idea of prayer. Lift God up as, as high and holy. Invite his work and his will to be accomplished. Make a simple request to God. And then place yourself in the posture of one being healed by and forgiven by your heavenly Father. And Jesus goes on in, uh, in Luke chapter 11. 
to give an example, and um, it's one that relates pretty specifically to the culture of the day, uh, but I think it's understandable, and I think it's powerful for our lives today. He says, and then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine has, uh, on a journey, has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose that one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children are in bed and I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. I think this is so almost bizarre, the example that Jesus uses, as it paints God as this uh, guy in bed who's just not interested in getting up and helping a friend. I don't think that's all the point of Jesus' illustration. Uh, you know, illustrations are always challenging when you look at them on the micro level, but on the macro level, let's continue to, to look for what Jesus is saying here. Um, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So it's fascinating how, how real the illustration gets there, right? As Jesus says, consider God like, like someone real who, who does care. There's a, there's a relational element. It's a friend going to God, right? That, that we can approach knowing that God is willing to interact with our needs and our concerns and our cares. It says that there's a nearness. There's even an influence. We talked about the why of prayer because prayer is powerful. There's an influence and an opportunity to go to God in prayer persistently and for God to respond to those things. This last week, um, uh, we were having dinner with the Dean Hills, and I've had back problems my whole life, and um, and my back was tightening up, and uh, all of a sudden I I could not stand, you know, and uh, and I was so blessed to be around friends who said, let's pray over it, who put their hands on my back, and and, and we prayed over that, and, and praise God that it it didn't get wor- worse, that that I, I believe prayer is powerful, that God cares about our needs and our hurts and our concerns. Now, let's, let's, let's be real as well in that prayers aren't always answered in the way we ask them. And this is when our faith journeys can get challenging. When the situation is much more severe than a, than a hurt back, and when prayers are not answered in the affirmative. Many of us have, have asked those prayers. Some of us have struggled in our faith because prayers weren't answered in the way we ask. And that's where, again, Jesus has invited us into a posture and position in prayer where God is high and where God is holy and where God is loving. Despite the circumstances in my life, God gets to be good and I get to trust in him more deeply. That even though he may not calm the storm in life, that he holds us through the storms in life. You see, that's the position and the posture that prayer invites us into, into nearness and relationship and opportunity with God, that even when the answers are not what we hoped, that we can find peace, that we can rest in his hands, as, as Mother Teresa described in her prayer life. Here's what I want to invite us to. 
Here's what I want to challenge us to in the week ahead. And, and I hate to use the word challenge because it's an opportunity more than an obligation. The last thing we need is one more thing I have to do in my life. And yet I want to challenge us today to realize that if I were to take just five minutes a day, pick a time in my day, maybe it's first thing in the morning or, or maybe it's before bed, maybe it's at my lunch break at work, whatever that is, that I'm going to dedicate five minutes a day to sitting in silence, getting the distractions away from me, and just talking with God. It can be an honest and it can be a simple conversation. I'm going to invite God into my life to bring the kind of healing that I need. I'm going to invite God to show me his will, to invite me to participate in the good things that he's trying to accomplish in the world around me. I'm not going to worry about the beautiful language that I hear some people pray, but instead I'm just going to sit in silence, and I'm going to talk with God. Maybe you'll find yourself a quiet enough place that you can talk out loud. That's absolutely okay. Sometimes that helps me to focus in my prayer. However you want to do that. Notice Jesus doesn't lay out a formula and a set of demands. Instead, he invites people to simple conversation with the God that loves, with the God that wants to participate, with the God that wants to heal and bring hope in the circumstances of life. Max Lucado says it like this. Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. I invite you to consider uh, what we can be praying for in the week to come. Invite us to consider praying for our church, but not just our church, the church of the Tri-Cities, and that includes all our brothers and sisters gathered throughout the Tri-Cities. Praise God for what's happening here. But let's pray for the church in the Tri-Cities, that, that, it, is, that it is strong, that, that God is working powerfully through the church. Let's, let's pray for our friends and for our family. Be, be, be specific this week as you pray about the people that you care about. You'll find God reshaping your heart and, and, and reshaping relationships through just the intentionality of talking to God about specific people. Encourage you to, to pray uh, that, that God's will is done, that help and healing is brought to our community. And as we move into our summer and consider just the missional nature of our church, as we consider what are the organizations we want to partner with, who are the people God is inviting us into the lives of, prayer is going to be a vital part of us finding our vision. And I want you to know that the vision doesn't come from the front towards the, the rest of us, but that as a community, we are invited to know God and to hear his voice and to seek his guidance in the future of this church and in our individual lives. And again, these are all the process of prayer. These are all the result of prayer in our lives, that God's will is done, that we find healing and hope, that we come to know God more fully, and that we're invited more intentionally to be a part of what he is accomplishing in the world around us. We're going to close out this morning in a prayer, and I'm going to spend the first uh, 30 seconds of that just in silence. And I don't know, there's, there's people in the room here today that have maybe never really, in a focused manner, said a prayer. I invite you just silently in, in your head, in your time, to say a simple prayer, inviting God to be near, inviting God uh, to guide us. Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer.
Father God, thank you for an opportunity to communicate with you. Father, to some of us in the room right now, as we think intentionally about you in this moment of prayer, Father, this is an awkward <laughs> concept and experience. But Father, I thank you that, um, that you have invited us into the kind of relationship in which we can communicate. Father, I pray that you will work in our hearts and in our lives in the week to come. Father, help us to find time and passion for a few minutes alone with you in silence. And Father, in that, I pray you will speak to us in the way that only you can. Father, uh, I don't know uh, your desires, even for me specifically, let alone for all of us. But Father, I believe that this week, as we open ourselves to you in prayer, uh, that, that you will be near to us and that you will speak to us in our circumstances of life. Father, help us to know you more. Help us to draw nearer to you in in the week to come. Father, uh, what may seem challenging and awkward to us in a moment, Father, I thank you. It is also the greatest blessing that we can have, which is relationship with you, nearness to you. So, Father, uh, as we go into the week, we pray for your guidance, your wisdom, for opportunity and clarity to be near to you. Father, teach us to pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, we'd love to get to know you more, love to talk more with you about prayer and so many other things in our Christian journeys. Uh, thanks for exploring Jesus with us here this morning. Uh, look forward to many more weeks of doing that together. Next week, we will be doing Church in the Park. We'll be out under a shade tree. It'll be a relaxed environment. Feel free to bring your dogs. Uh, that is here. You'll park in the same parking lot. We'll be just over on the other side there. By the way, if it's raining and the weather's bad, still come. We'll just join. We'll just do it in here, right? We, we've, we've got the uh, flexibility to do that. Um, Branches, lots of good stuff coming up. Guys, nice Thursday night. Join us. God bless you. Have a great week.